Beef, it's whatsfordinner.com. I wanted to do some fact-checking on those nutrition claims. Is it really part of a heart-healthy lifestyle? Uh, you remember they said beef. It's real food for real people. If that's your idea of real food, then I hope you live real close to a real good hospital because it's uh, beef is a clear-cut driver for heart disease. One of the claims that they make flat out is that recent research shows that eating lean beef as part of a heart-healthy dietary pattern can help to maintain normal cholesterol levels. What is your research showing? It's just, it doesn't work the way they're saying it. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen, or a view, or a download, Wherever it is in the world that you are, we appreciate you raising your health IQ with us. Today on the show, we are doing something for the very first time, trying something new. And I encourage you to play along with us. Now, what do you mean play along? How can you play along? Here's what I want for you to do. On your phone or on your computer, on your tablet, whatever, go to beefitswhatsfordinner.com. And that website happens to be the home of the Cattlemen's Beef Board and National Cattlemen's Beef Association, a.k.a. the Big Beef Guys. Now, on this website, they have a lot of nutrition claims. But are those claims actually accurate? To find out... I have enlisted the help of Dr. Neil Barnard and dietitian Lee Crosby. So on the program today, the three of us will be going over the nutrition section of beefitswhatsfordinner.com and looking at what the data that we have actually says. So what are the real facts? That is what we will be dissecting today on the program. So if you would like to join us, if you would like to play along, head over to beefitswhatsfordinner.com. I have Dr. Neil Barnard here, dietitian Lee Crosby here, and they're going to answer the question, should beef really be what's for dinner? I'm about to find out. But before we do, I would like to ask you a question. How would you like to help save a life today? You can do that right now in a matter of seconds just by subscribing to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee and leaving a five-star rating. Whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your favorite shows, just hit that subscribe button and leave a five-star rating because every new subscription and five-star rating helps to get this information to those who need it the most. And the easier it becomes for those who need it the most to find the easier it becomes for them to go on and hopefully lead a longer and healthier life. All right, you ready to do some fact checking and website digging? Let's go ahead and do that right now with Dr. Barnard and Lee Crosby. (laughs) 
So if you want to play along with the home version of the game, log on to Beef. It's what's for dinner.com right now. Let's go ahead and pull up that website, actually. And uh, if you go there and you click on the nutrition tab right at the top, you're going to come to this page. And if you're watching us on YouTube or on Facebook, you can see right now uh, what it is that we're talking about. And when I saw this page for the first time, Lee, the thing that stood out to me was this baby that's being spoon fed a a spoonful i guess of ground beef or some beefy substance there and right underneath of that picture it says every bite counts feeding beef to your baby uh lee let's talk about this uh yay or nay beef is that part of a healthy diet for young babies yes because every bite does count you don't want to be feeding beef to your baby they're just i just they're the re- so many reasons. Okay, so first, for starters, we know that heart disease begins in infancy, and actually there are indicators it can begin in utero, but certainly in infancy. So the last thing you want to be doing is feeding your baby red meat, which is high in saturated fat, half the fat in beef is coming from saturated fat, so we don't want to do that. On top of this, I, I certainly hope that whatever's in that spoon is pureed because meat, particularly the tougher, if it's not cut up perfectly right, it is a top choking hazard. For babies. And then again, once you get babies started eating beef and they acquire this taste for that, um, there are problems in terms of longer term health. And one that comes to me particularly because um, breast cancer is an issue that's really important to me is that meat, red meat intake um, for tweens and teens. So preteen and teen girls is actually linked to a higher risk of premenopausal breast cancer later in life. And that's because there are some cancer promoting substances um, in meat and the breast tissue is most sensitive to those when it is developing. So again, in those sort of childhood, preteen, teen years, it also red meat is linked to a higher risk of benign breast disease, which does have a higher risk of cancer associated with it. But more importantly, um, that's relatively small, but there's pain and there are fibrocystic changes. So for so many reasons, really feed your baby some, some smashed up beans instead of beef. Yeah, and I'm looking at the the large picture here up on this page, and it it just is so doggone jarring to me. Um, it just, oh my goodness gracious. Um, but you know, I've had some guests on in the past, heart experts, Lee, who have mentioned um, that heart disease can actually begin in infants, uh, if not younger. I can't imagine that the beef is going to be good for that. No, it absolutely isn't. And that's why you don't want to start your baby on beef as, as a first food, really just as an ever food. Again, it's just, it's not in their best interest. You can get those nutrients other places. So again, please, I'm going to, I'm making a strong lobby here and not just because I'm into fiber, but um, for let's do some smashed up beans instead of beef for those sweet little babies to start them off right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and finally, your reaction to uh, this this statement right on their website, it reads, quote, serving nutritious foods babies and toddlers love to eat, like beef, is simple and easy. Just puree it, mash it, chop it, shred meat at various stages to meet their changing feeding needs. Uh, does the baby actually need beef? I mean, can it go and live a long and healthy life without red meat? it is more likely to live a long and healthy life without the red meat. So yeah, please don't. I mean, it's interesting because on this page, they've sprinkled in some just general, you know, good advice about like feeding habits, but then somehow beef makes it into every single sentence. And it's just, it's so discouraging because they're, it's, and obviously, of course, it's a one, it's a one-sided website, but um, it is, 
it's disconcerting because they're setting kids up to have a higher risk of things like diabetes and heart disease and certain cancers. That is not the way you want to start your baby off in life. Yeah, it says babies are ready for solid foods if they, and then they list off about five different things beginning with are about, what, six months old. Um, So uh, yeah, solid foods is code here for beef, as you said. Um, But let's go ahead. I want to bring Dr. Barnard into the uh, conversation now and jump on down to uh, beef and heart health. Uh, This is another page that you will find on the Beef Council website, beefitswhatsfordinner.com. I really shouldn't be plugging it, but if you're playing the home game, I really encourage you to kind of fact check along with us. Uh, Dr. Barnard, it seems to me like we've kind of already answered this question, not just from what Lee told us, uh, but based off of copious amounts of previous conversations, beef, is it really part of a heart-healthy lifestyle? Uh, You remember they said uh, eat... uh beef. Uh, it's real food for real people. Um, and I guess that would be true. If, you know, if, if, if that's your idea of real food, then I hope you live real close to a real good hospital because it's uh, beef is a clear-cut driver for heart disease. And, and back to where uh, what Lee was talking about with, with regard to children, uh, Michael Skilton's team, a research team in Australia, looked at children on day one of life. T- these were newborns. And there's a non-invasive method where you can actually look at the health of the arteries. You do it with sonography. Um, it's, there's no danger to the baby, but you can put this little sensor and you can see the size of the aorta. And what they discovered is that if mothers had unhealthier diets, the babies were born with the beginnings of arterial thickening. In other words, it had been started before birth. And so what we now believe is that the old-fashioned idea that the heart attack started when you were... 45, 55, 65, that's when you started getting artery blockages. Uh Uh-uh, this is a lifelong process that gets to be at the the potentially fatal stage when you're in your 40s or 50s, but it begins earlier in life and indeed in in utero. But this idea of uh, a heart-healthy aspect of beef has been really aggressively promoted. And let me share with you my screen here. I want to share with you an article that came out from what the beef industry funded uh, and called it the bold study beef in an optimal lean diet study. Their whole idea was um, that you should be able to eat beef as part of your heart healthy diet. And the industry was really very slimy. They went around to doctor's offices. I'm not making this up. And they were saying your high cholesterol patients ought to be eating beef. Let me show you what this study uh, did. They brought in a group of people and hopefully you can see my bar graph here. They brought in people and their LDL cholesterol, their bad cholesterol was elevated. They were on a standard American diet and their LDL cholesterol around 133. That's not good. You want it under 100. What do they do? They put them on a somewhat healthier diet, starting with a DASH diet. And the DASH diet was devised to lower blood pressure. And it's sort of kind of semi-vegetarian. It's more vegetables and fruits, um, leaning toward white meat as opposed to red meat. And it lowered LDL cholesterol to 125. I mean, nowhere near the 100. That's the upper limit of where we want it. But it was a little bit lower than than before. And how about the bold diet where they were really favoring beef? Wait a minute. Exactly the same. It didn't lower cholesterol anywhere near that 100 uh, target. And they did another one, the bold diet that was higher in protein. Um, The point here is that none of these beef diets get you anywhere near a healthy level of cholesterol. So the answer is to throw them all out. It's, it's, um, it's all marketing, and it's the worst possible science. 
Yeah, Lee, let's go ahead and uh, bring you back into the conversation here. Uh, and we will let's dive a little bit deeper into this here, because it, as Dr. Barnard was just talking about there, the cholesterol connection. But if if you go back over to the uh, the heart health uh, Web page uh, on their website, uh, one of the claims that they make flat out is that recent research shows that eating lean beef as part of a heart healthy dietary pattern can help to maintain normal cholesterol levels. Um, talk to us a little bit more beyond uh, the bold study. What is your research showing? Well, what gets me, and again, it's just, it doesn't work the way they're saying it. And, and the way I think of it is the first thing when I saw these, this claim of, you know, beef as part of a heart healthy dietary pattern can help maintain normal cholesterol levels. It immediately reminded me of those commercials that when I was a kid, I don't know, depending on your age, if you saw these or not, but they would, you would have like a bowl of like, it was a cereal cereal that was like sugar cubes and marshmallows. And they would say, now part of a balanced breakfast. Because they, what did they do? They surrounded it with foods that, you know, actually had some health value. And then they tried to claim that their cereal was healthy, but it wasn't healthy. It was just surrounded with healthier things. And that's exactly what all these, you know, this part of a heart healthy diet claim that's what they're doing, right? Again, you look at the, at the bold study. The only way they can make beef look not actively as bad as it is, even though it clearly doesn't look good, as Dr. Barnard showed, but is they surround it with vegetables, fruits, whole grains, nuts, beans, much more so than in the comparison diet. So basically what they're saying is that beef can, you can make it slightly less bad by surrounding it with really healthy whole plant foods. Because again, you can make their claim for literally any food in the right portion size, as long as the rest of your diet is perfect, right? You can say eating cupcakes as part of a heart healthy dietary pattern can help maintain normal cholesterol levels, right? And it's <laughs> like can. that, it just defies life. Eating double fudge swirl ice cream as part of a heart healthy dietary pattern can help maintain normal cholesterol levels. What? Well, if you're eating it relative to a diet that is just truly terrible, and then you mix in a bunch of fruits and vegetables and whole grains and beans, and you put in a, still a little bit of double fudge swirl ice cream, it's, you can't, I, I just, I can't, I, it blows me away that they are using these kinds of tactics on people. It's deeply unfair and it's actively dangerous because it puts people's health at risk. So I could stay on this soapbox for a while, but it's just, it's, it breaks my heart because they're trying to cloak a dangerous a food that is associated with risk on a number of levels in this sort of like healthy, you know, shield. And it's just untrue. And it really does put people at risk of some serious diseases. Let's bounce over to another uh, page that is on their nutrition section here. Uh, they call it the nutrients you need with the taste you love. Uh, Lee, uh, obviously talking when you think about beef, talking about protein, um, pound for pound, let's, let's do some comparisons here. I mean, they're making it sound like beef is the only place that you can get your protein. Uh, your research, what we know here at the Physicians Committee, that's simply not true. It sure isn't. So again, what do we know? What do we know about protein? You can get all the protein that you need. And indeed, all the protein you really should be getting from a varied whole food, plant-based, you know, the vegan diet. You don't need to add any more. Although if you look at the beef website here, you would think we are all dying of protein deficiency and you need to maximize your protein in every bite. And the answer is you just don't. And there are some reasons that you actually wouldn't want to do that. Um, 
we, we can get into those a little later, but it's just, it's very frustrating because the only two metrics they're looking at are protein and calories. Looking at protein is the number one thing we need when really we know that what Americans are missing are things like fiber, the vitamins and minerals and protective phytochemicals that you are going to find in plants. So it's, and again, it just, I, yeah, I get blown away. This is not going to be your life. You're not going to be running into the sunset if you're eating hamburgers all the time. It's just not going to happen. So it's it's very frustrating. There's also a table on that page where they compare the amount of protein in, you know, edamame versus beef. And it's like, okay, they're like, look, you get more, edam- you know, more protein in beef than you do in edamame. But you don't need any more protein than you get in edamame and you get fiber and you get protective phytochemicals, you get all kinds of good stuff. So it's, it's, it's entirely disingenuous. Uh, yeah. Uh, and some of the other, uh, <laughs> some of the other nutrients uh, of note that they, they have on here, uh, iron, uh, they really try to hammer that one home as well. That's at the top of an infographic. Um, talk to us really quickly here about the difference between heme and non-heme iron and how your body uses it. Am I taking this one? You are indeed. Okay. So here's the thing. There, Like you said, there are two different kinds of iron. So there is heme iron, and that is the kind of iron that is found in beef and other animal products, right? That kind of iron, your body absorbs whether it needs extra iron or not. Um, what that can do is actually lead to excess iron in the body, which is it leads to something called oxidative stress, which is basically interior rusting, right? It's dangerous. It can predispose to different diseases. Um, And whereas the iron that you would find in beans or dark leafy greens, that kind of iron or non-heme iron, your body absorbs basically as needed, right? If you need more iron, your body will ramp up the absorption of that non-heme or plant iron. And as your iron levels, your iron stores are replete, it will it will decrease the amount that it absorbs. So actually the iron that they're talking about is linked to increased risk of a number of different things. One of the things that's linked to an increased risk of, I just looked at a study on this one, is that intake of that heme iron and total iron from meat is actually linked to an increased risk of esophageal cancer. So cancer of the esophagus and stomach cancer. This is not a small increase in risk. It looks like it's actually about a three times higher risk Mm of esophageal cancer and about a twice higher risk of stomach cancer. So heme iron is not something that I would be promoting as a, as a health benefit. That would be a, a risk. Dr. Barnard, let's put a capper on this particular page. Uh, this infographic uh, also has choline listed on it, vitamins uh, B6, B12, phosphorus, zinc, niacin, riboflavin, selenium. Uh, with the exception of B12, which most uh, people on a plant-based diet supplement with, um, can you find all of those nutrients by eating uh, a diet that does not contain meat? Um, you, should, you, you can easily get everything that you need without meat at all. Um, you should supplement B12, that's for sure. Um, but what Lee said is, is really right. Think about what package you're getting your protein in. You do need a certain amount of protein. You don't need very much, but you need a little bit. And in beef, it comes along with a lot of saturated fat and a lot of cholesterol and the occasional salmonella. Um, on the other hand, if you get your iron, um, uh, I'm sorry, if you get your protein in as part of beans or vegetables or grains, it comes along with healthy things. It comes with fiber. It comes with vitamin C. It comes with many other vitamins. It comes with things that your body actually needs. So uh, one of the really sad things that we have, uh, unfortunately, in a commercial environment is that people are paid 
to make statements like uh, that you that uh, you need beef for uh, protein or for other kinds of nu- nutrients. This is all really a commercial enterprise. It's not a scientific enterprise. All right. Uh, if you're playing along at home, go on back to that main nutrition page now and then click right next to uh, where we are at, at the nutrient page. Click right where it says frequently asked questions about beef. So you click on that and then uh, you scroll on down and there you see a list of frequently asked questions. Uh, Lee, I want to come back to you here. Uh, let's go ahead and <laughs> and and start with uh, this particular one. How much beef should I eat at a meal to meet my daily protein requirements? Protein, 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 Lee. Yeah, again, if only we needed more protein, this would have some validity to it. Um, I, I just, I have to say, I was, I was, I was, I was, getting along okay. And I was not happy with what I was seeing. But when I saw this page, I have a nice, healthy, low vegan, happy blood pressure. And I felt <laughs> mine rising when I read these so-called facts. So how much beef should I eat at a meal to meet my daily protein requirements? Zero. Yes, absolutely. Because the rest of that meal, unless you're just drinking soda for the rest of your meal is going to have the protein you need again with your grains and your beans and your veggies. So the answer to that question zero. Uh, real talk, when you were uh, studying to get your uh, dietitian's license, um, what was their take on beef? Was Were there uh, the claims in, in the school books uh, similar to what's on the website here? You know, it certainly was not this. I don't think I saw anyone. There was, I saw zero claims of beef for heart health. That was certainly not, <laughs> not part of the curriculum. I'm not really sure where they're coming up with this. Um, it was not, it was it actually, it, it just wasn't this, it wasn't this egregious. I actually don't recall a whole lot of beef promotion going on um, in the training I received. Thank goodness. All right. Uh, another- well, you know, let me just say, you know, I think part of the reason it's becoming egregious is that the risks are becoming better known. Um, you mentioned earlier esophageal cancer, for example, being linked to iron intake. And then in the past few years, we've learned that heart disease itself is more common with a high iron intake and even Alzheimer's disease. So, Although the beef industry is trying hard to make it look it's, it look healthier and healthier, science is moving in exactly the opposite direction. That beef really looks like something that people should never eat at all and not feed to their children at all. Mm. Uh, let's scroll on down to another one. And this one is pretty jarring to me. Um, I'm going to uh, read the question and give the answer as it is uh, stated on their website. And then, Lee, if you could chime in. Uh, as well. Uh, Can eating beef cause cancer is the frequently asked question. And what they write on their website, forgive me as I put on my glasses so I can actually read this. uh, It says cancer is a complex disease. And most scientists agree that many factors, including lifestyle and environmental conditions, must be taken into consideration, making it unrealistic to isolate a single food as a cause of cancer. In fact, despite all the investment made in cancer research, there is no single food, including beef, that has been proven to cause or cure cancer. Lee, frequently asked question, you heard their answer. What is your response? I mean, it's just literally actively untrue. I mean, we have data. The World Health Organization looked at more than 700 studies and classified red meat as a group 2A or probable cause of cancer, right? It is a it, it is a probable carcinogen in humans and processed meat as a sidebar, which is often, if not mostly, red meat is a group one carcinogen, which is known to cause cancer in humans. And I, you just have to ignore 
the entire body of scientific evidence out there if you're going to make this claim. Just to give you a few examples, because this one really, really gets me. Nurses Health Study, right? 88,000 women followed them over 20 years, and they had a dose-response relationship in terms of they had there was a 13% higher risk per serving per day of red meat for breast cancer. Again, this is controlled for things like smoking and alcohol and age. Dose-response relationship is a very strong relationship. Um, again, we also talked about it when people eat red meat earlier in life in terms of breast cancer. That the World Health Organization studies that was looking at colorectal cancer um, specifically, so very strong link between red meat intake and colorectal cancer. Again, this is also something that has been echoed by the World Cancer Research Fund and American Institute for Cancer Research. And why is this? Well, the irony is one of the things that they are promoting the most, which is you know animal protein. That's something that potentially can give some risk, right? Because you eat animal protein, people eat the most animal protein, have higher levels of something called insulin-like growth factor one or IGF-1. Now, IGF-1 in adulthood, it promotes cancer growth. It is basically just like fertilizer for cancer cells. So high animal protein intakes, higher IGF-1 levels. And then again, beef also for female cancers. We know that higher saturated fat intakes, which half the fat in beef saturated, linked to higher estrogen levels that can fuel development of those estrogen-sensitive cancers. And then, like I mentioned, heme iron and beef can also promote cancers, it seems. So I just, I don't know how they sleep at night making that kind of claim. Yeah, Dr. Barnard, let me get your reaction to that. Uh, You see a denial like this. What is the first thing that pops into your mind? Well, I, I think what they're trying to bank on is when they say there's no single food that's been shown to cause cancer. When people look at, at uh, diet and cancer, they look at, at dietary patterns. And typically dietary patterns that include animal products are, 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 are linked to a number of forms of cancer. And they'll say, well, you couldn't really quite tease out the roast beef sandwich that, that you ate from the other foods. And there's some truth to that. But it's really quite clear that when people avoid the animal products and avoid meat in particular, and red meat is among the worst, um, that their risk of cancer goes down to the extent that they avoid those foods. The more those foods are in their diet, the higher their cancer risk. So um, no, it's it's bad advice. And it's, it's really money talking, unfortunately. Honest opinion here, Dr. Barnard. Um, there was a ton of mainstream media surrounding uh, the World Health Organization's classification of red and processed meat as being carcinogenic. Do you still think that the average person, the typical American, is aware that that is, in fact, the case? I think that the the scientific verdict is very clear, very compelling, and very well-based and clearly accurate. But uh, unfortunately, the message that, that bacon causes cancer, sausage causes cancer, or that roast beef may contribute to cancer risk as well, th- those messages have been drowned out by the fact that if you just turn on the television, you're going to see about 16 commercials in an hour for another kind of burger or a steakhouse or something like that. So unfortunately, that's that's what we're competing against when we have health messages. All right, Lee, coming back to you as we look at the final question on the page, uh, they write here, question, do higher protein diets have any negative health effects like kidney damage or bone loss? Their response No, this is a common myth about protein. Eating a diet higher in protein can actually help people lose and maintain healthy weight and support a healthy metabolism. 
Research shows that eating 25 to 30 grams of protein at each meal is ideal for optimal body benefits. Uh, Not lost on me here that they say protein. They didn't necessarily say beef here. Uh, Lee, as a dietitian, what's your retort? Well, again, they've they've taken a tiny, tiny little kernel of truth and just exploded it into something that makes it sound like beef is the ultimate health food and we should all go out and get it immediately. So it does, there is some evidence that eating a little bit more protein could be helpful with weight loss, but it is not, it doesn't matter if it's coming from plants or if it's coming from animals. So eat it from the safe source and have it come from plants. And again, 25 grams of protein at each meal is is still a little bit is more than most Americans need. And depending on the source it comes from, it, it could be, it could be concerning. So it's really not too difficult to lose weight on a low fat plant-based or vegan diet. And um, we've shown in studies at Physicians Committee that it works quite well. So there's no need to go and try and push extra protein into the diet. Um, In terms of kidney damage, that's a little bit, a little little grayer of an area. So what we do know for certain is that in someone who has risk of kidney stones, animal protein, and clearly beef falls in that category, can increase risk. And for people who have kidney, pre-existing kidney issues, say they have chronic kidney disease, we absolutely high protein intakes can accelerate that and drive them closer to having to go on dialysis. So that's a concern. And also red meat is associated with an increased risk of diabetes. And what does that have to do with kidneys? Well, diabetes is one of the major causes of kidney disease. So you whether it's a direct or indirect link, eating beef is not helpful for kidneys and in many cases can, could be a concern. And uh, Dr. If, if you don't mind, Chuck, let me come in on something that Lee just mentioned. She mentioned about the studies that we do um, looking at weight loss. And she's absolutely right that when people come in to one of our research studies and they throw all the meat out of their diet and they're, they're eating a completely vegan diet, um, they, not only do they lose weight, but they keep it off over the long run. And then let's say we're doing a study for a year or two years or something like that. And you wonder, well, what will happen after that point? Will a vegan diet continue to, to, to allow people to maintain a healthier, lower body weight? And the answer is that there have been a number of prospective studies that have looked at people who have followed vegan diets for decades. I'm talking about the Adventist Health, Stu- uh, Health Study 2 or the EPIC trial in Europe. And in both cases, the people following diets that don't have any meat in them at all, the people following vegan diets, they have the healthiest BMI's body mass index uh, of any group. So the idea that somehow adding beef to your diet is going to help, unfortunately, it does exactly the opposite. And the last thing I want to touch on on this page is this infographic that talks about beef and protein benefits. And it reminds me of a conversation, Dr. Barnard, that I had with Dr. Kim Williams not too terribly long ago. Of course, he's one of the leading cardiologists in the entire country, very well respected among his peers, knows this information inside and out. He's also a very fit individual, an avid tennis player. And we got to talking about the benefits of exercise. And one of the points that he brought up with is you can run off the calories, but you cannot outrun cholesterol. The damage will always be done. So when you see a graphic such as this, that pictures a a runner looking so fit, and then it touts the benefits of eating red meat, what's your reaction to that? That's right. Um, You can't outrun the cholesterol. Um, When a person eats meat, the saturated fat that's in the meat and 
it causes your blood cholesterol level to rise and the cholesterol in the meat adds to the problem that causes arterial narrowings that no, no amount of exercise will undo. And that occurs in the arteries to the heart, the arteries to the brain, and of course the arteries to a man's private parts leading to erectile dysfunction. And, and it doesn't matter how much you exercise, that's not gonna, not gonna go away. And besides exercising muscles, their fuel is actually not protein um, any more than the fuel for your engine in your car is not steel. Um, what, what fuels your car is gasoline. What fuels your muscles is carbohydrate. Um, so whether it's starch or sugars that you're eating, that gets into the muscle cells and powers them. So when um, people are about to run a marathon later in the week, they're not meat loading, they're carbo loading to give themselves energy. All right. And let's take it home by looking at the lean beef page. Uh, Lee, my final question to you is this flat out. Is there such a thing as healthy beef? And if so, is lean beef the answer? Uh, no. Yeah. So no, there is, there is no, there is no healthy beef. It doesn't exist. That is a figment of the beef pages imagination here. Um, even the quote-unquote leanest beef still has saturated fat. It still has heme iron. It still has cholesterol. It still lacks all the healthy things that we find in whole plant foods like fiber and lots of vitamins and minerals and phytochemicals. So it is it is not a health food. There is no universe in which it is scientifically evidence-based health food. It is actively not good for you. So let's not have that for dinner. And Dr. Barnard, okay, so somebody's been watching this or like, all right, well, I'm ready to cut meat out of my diet, but I don't know what in the world I'm going to eat without it to replace it. Uh, what What is it that you typically tell people as they're transitioning off of uh, meat and into a plant-based diet? I encourage everybody to take a week or so, take seven days, and just take a piece of paper and write down foods that don't have animal products in them that you might actually like to eat. And start with breakfast. So, okay, let's say every day you have cornflakes with cow's milk. Try cornflakes with almond milk or soy milk or rice milk or, or whatever it is. And if you're having a burger for lunch, try the veggie burger with no meat, meat at all. If you don't like it, try a different brand or, or whatever. The whole goal is in these seven days to come up with a list of plant-based foods that you would like. And after a week, you're going to have a good list. And then the next step is take three weeks and actually eat the foods on that list. When those three weeks have gone by, if you've really done this right, two things will have happened. Physically, you will be healthier. You'll have lost weight. And if you have diabetes, your blood sugar is getting better and you're feeling healthier. But the other thing is that your tastes for foods will have changed as well. Um, you'll find lots of uh, good resources at pcrm.org or our 21-day uh, vegan kickstart app, which is, of course, free. And if you jump into those resources you'll discover that not only is it a really healthy way to go, but it's also a fun way, an exciting way. And there are so many ways to replace not just beef, but all animal products that make eating really the joy that it ought to be. And if you really want to dive into the weeds, just get into the thick of it of your diet as you're making that change. You can schedule an appointment to visit with Lee over at the Barnard Medical Center. Make a telemedicine visit for yourself. You don't even have to leave the comfort of your own home. So head on over to barnardmedical.org or pick up the phone and call 202-527-7500 to make that appointment. Get a full list of states where services are available and insurance is accepted. Dr. Barnard, Lee Crosby, thank you both very much. Thank you, Chuck. Thanks, Chuck.
you are more of a visual learner and you would like to actually watch the three of us go through this website with it pulled up on the screen, you can do that right now over on the Physicians Committee's YouTube channel. We've posted this full interview right there as we go through the website section by section and go through these facts. And it is really interesting to see Lee's face. The reaction that she has to a lot of this really tells a heck of a story in itself. So you can see the website pulled up on one side of the screen with the camera on Lee and Dr. Barnard and myself on the other side of the screen. And it is quite fun to watch. So head over to the Physicians Committee's YouTube channel and check that out if you would like. We have a link to that in the episode notes. Let's talk a little bit more about meat. As we said during the interview, the typical American will eat a ton of red meat every year. 55 pounds of beef get consumed by the average American every single year. And in terms of meat consumption, that's second only to chicken. The average American actually eats 65 pounds worth of chicken every single year. And that leads me to believe that maybe the chicken website will be the next to be put under the microscope here on the exam room. Now, in terms of the studies that were cited on the website, as a matter of fact, in terms of any study, it's okay to view it with skepticism. And one of the first things that I do when I'm looking at a study is I look at who put this out. Who put out these facts? What connections do they have? Essentially, use that phrase, follow the paper trail. Now, critics can also say the same thing about us, being proponents of plant-based diets. But here's the thing. We pride ourselves in using independent data in addition to the studies that we've conducted ourselves We pride ourselves in using that independent data, citing it in our talks. And I'll tell you, researchers and doctors and scientists from all over the world who have been publishing their own studies and reviews, they are all reaching the same conclusion that a plant-based diet offers the most nutrient density with the least risk for so many chronic diseases. So yeah, maybe today's show was the start of a series. We'll look at chicken next time, and then dairy, and then maybe the Egg Council website, and pork. There's so much to tackle there, so much to address, so much to fact check. So maybe we should just go ahead and do that. But today was a heck of a start. And yeah, we did talk a lot about beef and heart disease, that connection today. And I would love to give you the opportunity to further that discussion and do even a deeper dive, give you the opportunity to fill your brain full of nutrition knowledge that can help to clear out your arteries. The Physicians Committee will proudly present a plant-based heart health immersion on Saturday, April 17th. Join leading nutrition experts to learn how a plant-based diet can improve the health of your heart. So many great speakers, including a doctor who was able to improve his own heart health. 
His heart was given the grade of an F, and today it's beating with the grade of an A, if you want to put it in academic parlance. He's going to tell this remarkable story and how he saw the light of nutrition at this conference. So pcrm.org slash immersion, sign up for the Heart Health Immersion on Saturday, April 17th. Plus, you're going to get an opportunity to do a workout with celebrity trainer Marco Borges. That's pretty cool. He also happens to be the trainer for Beyonce, the winningest female artist in the history of the Grammy Awards. She's won more Grammys than any other singer in history, and she entrusts him for her fitness. And now you have the opportunity to train with him as well. So go ahead and sign up right now, pcrm.org slash immersion. And if you sign up with a friend or a family member, you get a discount and get healthy together. And that's going to do it for us today. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Neil Barnard and the Fiber Queen, Lee Crosby, for joining us and doing some fact-checking. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe, take a stand, and keep it plant-based.